message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Let me add my welcome to raise and say it's really good to have you here, especially if you're uh, here with uh, the Smile Sunday as well. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant to have you here. Smile's just such a fantastic part of uh, what, our, what our church does and how, how we serve the city. And, and there, there's so many people that are part of this church and, and from outside, actually, who, who come and get involved with just, just an amazing morning once a month. That um, that is just ab- is just packed full of fun and craziness and crazy songs and stuff like that. And and let me just say that if if you're part of the church and, and think ah oh, you know I'd really love to be able to help uh, young people with some with some additional needs, um, then then we'd love to love to talk to you about that. So please uh, please see Sarah later or, or myself and and we'd love to point you in that direction. Um, Our Christmas tree came down this week. Well, actually, it, sort of, it just moved into the garage. Um, but <laughs> not on its own. That, that, that would be a story to tell, wouldn't it? If, like, if the Christmas tree just kind of moved on its own into the garage. But no, it's kind of in there waiting for me to, to chop it into little pieces and put it in the bin. But um, uh, this Christmas, we went to a fantastic Anglican church on Christmas Day. Walked through the village and, and when we got there, we had the kind of the usual beautiful carols telling the, the story, telling the Christmas story. And some of the congregation kind of brought along their, their, uh, a few of their presents to kind of share and talk about. And that kind of highlighted the whole community of, of, uh, of the church there. And um, it also reminded my daughters, actually, that they hadn't had a chance to open any presents yet <laughs> that morning. <laughs> Um, there was there was a, a, a fantastic talk which really just got to the heart of Jesus' incarnation, his coming to this earth, and and, and really challenged us. And then there were the prayers. And do, do you remember the prayers, Jen? Yeah. And and, and um, they were prayers in a quite traditional church that would often be like written down. And then, and then read aloud. And that doesn't always kind of necessarily sound like it's going to be the most heartfelt of, of prayers. But actually, the Bible really encourages us to um, choose our words carefully before God um, and before people. In fact, um, Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter words before God. This morning... We're talking about prayer, um, and what happened when when I was listening to to these prayers because man, they they kind of rivaled the sermon in their length. Okay, so so uh, I mean, we've got some kind of warning of this when the chap who got up to to give them sort of got up from his pew with like with three books and like various pieces of paper coming up to the lectern and sort of balancing them and arranging all these things on, on the on the lectern, and he started to pray. And the first prayer we had was a Christmas carol, which he led us in. We didn't sing it. He just sort of led it, and, and, uh, and we sort of prayed along silently with it. And, um, and we had all four 
verses of this. And then we moved on to uh, another verse of a Christmas carol that we had sung that morning. And then we were led in a prayer. Now, each of the prayers kind of got their own kind of historical, contextual, anthropological introduction. It was kind of meaty. Like, the, the reason we're praying this prayer is blah, 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 blah. And, and so we got a prayer from the 1956 edition of the New Zealand Common Book of Prayer. I kid you not. Actually, it's a, re- it's a really good prayer. It's a really long prayer, but it was really good. And then we were kind of led in prayer slash educated about various um, struggles fa- facing poor people and, and, uh, and the persecuted around the world. Now, I know I've got a bit of a tone about how this prayer time was. And I'm going to say this really clearly. They were beautiful prayers born out of of a heartfelt conviction to see God glorified and his kingdom established. But I'm sat there, head bowed, as you do in, in in a church like that where the prayers are a bit traditional. And we got to the end and we said like the final uh, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And, and I sort of opened my eyes and the weight of, the additional weight of my beard having grown so much in that time. And I could just barely lift my head. So, like, so I sort of look over to my left and there, there's Eva and Emily looking at me going, we could have been opening presents. <laughs> and look over to my right, there's Jenny. And I sort of go to raise my eyebrows and a bit of a kind of that's over and 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 she's like it's a bit rich coming from you Tim (laughs) so yeah I'll, I'll admit my prayers can be a bit long so much so that like when me and Jenny are praying together she kind of reminds me slash Pleads with me, please don't make it a long one, Tim. <laughs> and a kind of another way that it was like looking in the mirror is just that I was just a little bit jealous that I've I've never referenced the 1956 New Zealand Common Book, a book of common prayer, either. So um, and I, I won't do that this morning. But if you if you ever hear me do that, you know that just come up and talk to me because it's probably born out of jealousy. And, and not out of not out of wanting to see God glorified. So come up and challenge me on it if you ever hear me do that. Um, I guess whilst I'm confessing, yeah, whilst I'm confessing, it's probably worth telling you that that in the odd prayer meeting, probably in a few prayer meetings actually, there's you know there's people praying, and I probably am spending a fair bit of time. I, I hope I'm not the only one. I, I really hope I'm not the only one that does this really, that I spend some time like composing kind of an amazing prayer, yeah, like one that's kind of going to, sort of searching for that amazing Bible verse or, or, or that kind of, that hook that's going to like draw people like really positively into the prayer and maybe it'll get a really good amen at the end. Amen basically just means we, we agree. There isn't any problem with preparing Okay, there's no problem with getting your words right. 
But if I'm being distracted by my work of composition, if I'm being distracted by kind of thinking up stuff on my own, and that's distracted me from getting involved with and, and, and praying along with the prayers of, of my brothers and sisters, of, of the other people in that room who are, who are praying out loud and, and pouring it out to God, and, and me getting involved with that, then I've, I've got to ask myself the question, am I worried about God getting a bigger amen or me? So Jesus talks about this when he teaches, his, when he teaches people to pray. Uh, and he does this in Matthew 6. And, and, and so we're going to take this from uh, we're going to take this from Matthew 6. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to it. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. Um, the big numbers are the chapters. 5 to 13 are the, they're the verses. Matthew is, a, is written by a chap called Matthew about Jesus. Written ages ago. So these are ancient writings. Okay, And, uh, and it's helpful... That as we come to God's word, actually we just ask him to help us understand it. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Lord, we love your words. We love what's written about you and that it's inspired by you. But these words are written a long time ago to a people that were very different. And I want to ask that you'd help us to understand it and help my words to communicate what, what your heart is for us. In prayer. Amen. Amen. So, in verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. That's kind of like a Jewish temple. Um, And on the street corners, and to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full already. So, hypocrite comes from a word, a Greek word uh, for actor. And today we kind of think of hypocrisy as perhaps having some kind of intentional malice in the word, but its origins aren't really as strong as that. It just, Jesus is just talking about people putting on a show. So the bar's actually a lot lower. He's not talking about don't be evil in your prayers. He's just talking about look, just don't put on a show. Don't put on a kind of, don't act it out. So if you're praying, if I'm praying in a church prayer me- a church or a prayer meeting, and I'm thinking of a particularly clever way or spiritual way of, of saying it, Jesus is saying your reward your rewards will be people might notice you. That's it. If you pray on street corners so that people pay attention, does, does anyone pray on street corners so that people? pay attention to them, they probably don't. I'm not sure that happens in our society anymore. They're like, the people would pray on street corners so that they they would be honoured or or they'd get any kudos for it. But let's say if if you respond to a prayer request on Facebook and it's like, you know, someone's really ill or, or something like that, the etiquette is like, you probably can't press like on Facebook for that, can you? Like to say, yeah, I've acknowledged it. There's no kind of like acknowledgement button. It's just, it's either like or you've got to put a comment. What comment are you going to put? Any self-respecting Christian would often put, oh, I'm praying. Okay? 
But if you're, if you're doing that and you're kind of committing to pray, and actually that's as far as it goes, telling someone else, I will pray, is not actually praying to God about something. So, so your prayer doesn't even make it out of the starting blocks, let alone rise up before the Lord that he might answer it. Look, prayer requests, they can come thick and fast on Facebook. And you might forget about one that you've committed to. That, that just happens. And this isn't condemnation about that. But it's a reminder that if we, that a comment to another person of I will pray isn't the same as praying it to the Lord. And if you're not praying about it, is anybody else? See, prayer, prayer is an amazing... I, I still don't understand really what prayer is, is all about. It's kind of mysterious that, that our all-powerful, sovereign God would invite his people in to kind of to petition him and, and bring questions and, and, and ask of him and ask for, for their needs and, and, and ask to change his mind and, and ask to see his will done. It's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing where God asks us to partner with him and expects us to partner with him. He says, look, when you pray, Jesus says, when you pray, not kind of like, well, if, you, if, if that flicks your switch, you know, if you want to do that. He's saying that when you do this, but he's all-powerful. He can do it anyway. So that there's this kind of beautiful mystery in it that actually he wants us to partner in establishing his kingdom in this world. God has to remind his prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. He says... The Lord doesn't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So the Lord sees your motivation. He, he, he sees your heart in this. And don't let my words today, please don't let them stop you from telling people that you're praying for them. Because people can be really touched to know that you might be the only Jesus follower they know. And... And they could be very, very touched that, they, that you think that they are important enough and what they're going through is important enough that you would spend time talking to, bothering your God about them. Or to know that your, your sisters and brothers are standing with you in prayer. Paul does this all the time in his, in his letters. At the top of his letter to the church in Philippi, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. There's a lot of alls in there. Paul had a real kind of idea about prayer being a, a total thing, just happening all the time, a real kind of conversation. Jesus tells Peter as well. He says, look, I'm pr- I'm, I've prayed for you. This kind of carrying people in prayer to God's throne room, that, that he might pour out his answer on them, is 
encouragement. It's literally, it's like, it's like taking courage out of your heart, courage that God has given you. And, and it's putting it into the heart of somebody else facing bleak or hopeless situations. Similarly, I don't want these words today to kind of put you off from praying brilliant, poetic, biblical prayers in front of other people. I mean, that's a, that can be a great way of, of drawing people in to, to pray for issues that they, they haven't really considered before or pray about it in ways that, that they haven't really thought about before. And also, it's a great way of for people that haven't prayed much before at all, like maybe young Christians, to kind of see, oh, all oh, right, this is an exciting way to pray. This is really, really cool. So if you can pray for an issue and you can raise that to God, and at the same time, you can point other people in his direction, then that's totally cool. And, and please, please do that. that isn't, that's giving him the glory. That isn't acting out. That isn't putting on a show. So, Jesus said, don't. Don't be like the hypocrites. And then we move on to verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to, to your Father, who's unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, Jesus is telling us here, actually, look, prayer, mainly it's a mainly a private activity. If God is your audience and no one else, it's difficult to kind of put on a show, really. So go into your room just means find, find a place in private. Okay? D- during his public ministry, Jesus didn't have a house. So he didn't have his own room. Luke 5 says that he often withdrew to lonely places without his phone, and prayed. Actually, maybe that's not quite right. Oh yeah, it doesn't say without his phone. But you get the picture. In, in Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We heard earlier, this is the day that the Lord has made. Jesus was just taking the first part of the day, the first portion of the day, and giving it to his Father. Just like we would in in our giving, um, and and giving kind of the first part over to him, rather than the leftovers, Jesus was giving the first part of his day. That kind of perhaps sets the whole tone for the rest of the day. So getting into a kind of rhythm and habit are an important part of praying. So let me ask you a question that you can sort of answer to yourself honestly. Where is your room? Where do you withdraw to? Where do you pray? And when do you do it? Is it intentional time or is it leftovers? So it might be, you might just be a, a prayer warrior, 
who's able to just to kind of, like, the alarm goes off at five, you can roll out of bed onto your knees and go for two hours hardcore prayer. Right there. I'm, I'm not there yet. I've, I've had some kind of commendable intentions at times to kind of feel like I'm going into like a 12-round prayer battle with God. Think, kind of like almost puffing myself up thinking, God's not going to know what's hitting once I'm, I'm through with praying with him like this. And because I've perhaps chosen a comfortable armchair, because I'm going to be there for a long time, my reward has been four hours later, kind of a puddle of dribble on my shoulder and a stiff neck and like lines down my face as I've kind of woken up going, what happened? I'm in. (laughs) So maybe walking might suit you better. Maybe, maybe it's walking back from taking the kids to school or taking a walk during your lunch break. It's kind of harder to fall asleep in those times. Maybe it's driving to or from work or on the bus or on the train. I, I, I've got, I do wonder if Jesus had been speaking directly to our culture where people commute daily, long distances, individually, I, I wonder what he would have said about how to use your commuting time. I've, I have had absolutely brilliant prayer times in the car, on my bike, but just remember, you are primarily driving. You are primarily riding at that point. Okay? And the more traffic around me, the harder it is to pray. And the harder it is particularly to listen to his voice. But find your place, a place that works. Find your time, a time that works. And look, if you're, if you're going for leftovers right now, yeah, going for five minutes is, is better than that. Going for an intentional five minutes is better than, than leftovers. All this, my talk about two hours, you don't feel, please don't let that condemn you. So it can be difficult in a car or somewhere like that to, to hear his voice. Moving on to verse 7. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So as well as withdrawing Jesus, he's, he's accustomed to, to pulling like all-night prayer sessions. And his power and demonstrated in his miracles was just simply born out of time that he spent with his father and being full of the Holy Spirit. So John 5.19 says, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you, the son can do nothing himself. He, only, he can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son, does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. All of, all of Jesus' power on earth came out of just hanging out with, spending time with, regularly, his Father. Being open to the Holy Spirit, empowering him. 
Let, let me be really clear. Jesus was a man on earth. Okay? He was highly favoured, but he was a man. And everything that he did, it was the Father showed him. It was the Holy Spirit empowered him. So he spends loads of time praying and long times praying, which equals a big total. But what we've just read is that he said, well, don't keep on saying very much. Don't keep on babbling. And certainly, certainly most of the prayers that are recorded in the Gospels are also quite short. So you know, he's saying you're not going to win God's attention by the clever and long titles that you give him. So it's like an equation. If there's a long total in prayer, but actually a short time of it is spent with speaking, then what's the, what's the blank? Listening is a really important part of praying. God knows you very, very well. He wants you to know him in the same way. So give him time to speak. Particularly in your private times of praying. Now, it wasn't just the pagans um, or the Gentiles, as the the Bible calls them, kind of the non-Jewish people. that used a lot of words. Right? So the Jewish prayer um, that was around, there was a Jewish prayer that was kind of known as standing. You, you heard him say, uh, the, uh, don't, don't pray as the hypocrites do, they love to pray standing in the, in the synagogues. Well, actually, um, there's, a, there's a prayer that is, that is done while standing. It's called the Amida. And... And it would have been around, or certainly a, a version of this would have been around in Jesus' time because the, the similarities between the Amida and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray are massive. It's a fantastic prayer. Um, and, and it's prayed in Hebrew still in, um, in many, many synagogues today. So, and Hebrew is kind of used as, like, if you're Jewish, that kind of, that's the language that you use to speak to, to God particularly with this prayer. And it's a very, very long prayer. And so by the time it, by the time that you might have finished praying just the titles for God in Hebrew, you would have certainly had a chance to kind of pray the Lord's Prayer maybe two or three times. Um, so let, let me just give you a flavour of, of what this prayer is like, just, just the opening few lines. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, the great and mighty, awesome God, exalted God who bestows bountiful kindness, who creates all things, who remembers the piety of the patriarchs, who, who, and who in love brings a redeemer to their children's children for the sake of his name. O King, you are a helper, a saviour, and a shield. Blessed are you, Lord, shield of Abraham. That's just kind of like half of the opening lines, half of the kind of titles for God. And Jesus goes on to kind of summarize. When, when his disciples ask him, how should we pray? Because it doesn't look like you're one of these people.
people that stand in a, in a synagogue doing this for show. We see you withdrawing all the time. How do we pray like that? And Jesus kind of gives this model, this beautiful model of how to pray. And he, and he takes all this kind of, you know, the shield of Abraham, the God of Isaac, blah, 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 and summarizes it as our Father. He knew his position as a son of the Most High, exalted Father. He knew his position as a son of the king. And that is exactly how he tells us to pray. Our Father. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's kind of a bit of a funny one doesn't always make sense to people we're not kind of still in the introductions there it's not kind of like hello father your name it doesn't work out like that so this hallowed be your name thing a lot a lot of us might kind of understand it is may your name always be kept holy may it always be hallowed that's that's kind of what it means but it comes out of it's a, it's, it's a sort of weird way of putting it because because it's written in a passive tense, and and that's that doesn't always make a lot of sense to us. So I'll give you a bit of context here, and it's, I'll, I'll try and make it really simple because it's actually quite tricky to understand. I'm pulling up my sleeves and about to talk about passive tense. Here we go. Right. So so Jewish people were kind of fearful, afraid of getting the name of God wrong. Okay, so when we're talking about hallowed be your name, actually if you can put it in a passive tense, we don't have to say what your name is. Okay, so you know when I read out just the, the Amida, the, the bit from the Amida there, every time it says God or Lord, I got this off the internet, like actually it doesn't, so even now, they, they won't write the whole word, they won't write God or Lord. Because or, or, or Yahweh, even. Um, they won't write all of it because they're afraid of kind of getting the name of the word, uh, the, the name of the Lord wrong. And that doesn't mean oh, oh, we mispronounced it necessarily, but it also there's just so many ways about oh, you've got to approach God in this like in a really holy way, and you've got to have the right expectations when when you come to Him. So it's not just about our oh, you know, what we might hear of using God's name in vain or, or, or something like that, which is still a really big deal. If you, so, so that, that culture kind of permeated, and it permeated into the language that Jewish people were using and, and, that, and so this is how Jesus kind of showed it to them, that he was, he was a man in Israel. But if we were to switch that from a passive tense and into an active, uh, more of an active scenario, it might sound more like, Lord God, may you please demonstrate your holiness. May you show this world your holiness. May you, may you 
show us in, in answer to this prayer how holy and all-powerful you are. So it's, it's more than just praying, oh, please would no one say anything bad about God's name or use it the wrong way. It's kind of, it's almost like more of a challenge. It's almost more of a challenge to say to the prayer, are you going to bring a prayer that is big enough and, and bold enough that the Almighty, that the sovereign creator and sustainer of this universe, reigning in holiness and splendor and glory, who loves you and is also your daddy, are you going to bring something big enough that he needs to hear it? Are you going to bring, bring it big enough that only he can answer it? Are you going to bring something bold from your position as a child of his that only he can answer? Because, Lord, would you please demonstrate your holiness? Hosea, a prophet, he, he says, he gives us God's words like this. He says, I'll betroth you to me in righteousness and justice. Big deals when, you, when you're holy. And in the love and mercy of the Father. Jesus goes on to pray, let your kingdom come. Let your ways be established here on earth. Let your will be done. Not my will. Let your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Now this is a model for prayer. Okay, so this is kind of, just, Lord, would you please give us what we need. Insert your need here. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins or debts or trespasses, whatever your, whatever your Bible says. Again, it's a model for prayer. So just insert your sin here. Say sorry for it there. Repent of it here. Lord, I'm sorry for doing X. I turn around from it. I, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to follow your ways. This is a model for prayer. As we have also forgiven our debtors or those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus knew all about temptation and being delivered from evil because a few well he, at the very beginning of his public ministry just after the Spirit of God descended on him. He, the Holy Spirit led him into the desert where he fasted for 40 days. So fasting is going without food for the reasons of, you know, for, for a spiritual reason, to, to know God more. And, and so Jesus did it for 40 days. Now, fasts don't have to be 40 days, they don't have to be for 21 days, they don't have to be 
for three days, they can be for a day, they can be for a meal. But Jesus goes on to talk about fasting, straight off the back of prayer. And he says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. You kind of get the, he's kind of going in the same idea here, the same structure. They often disfigure their faces to show, the, show other people that they're fasting. You can imagine that show, can't you? Kind of like, oh, you'd hear every pang of hunger coming from you. It'd be rumbling in their bellies and they'd be like, oh, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting today. Yes, I am fasting. Do, do you know? Truly, I tell you, They've received their reward in full. Just like the hypocrites, those who put on the show when they pray. Jesus says, but when you fast, basically make yourself look good. Put oil on your head. I don't think many of us do that anymore. I I did that once for dressing up like a really greasy Italian once. Hey. But, um, but, but don't, don't really, you don't have to put oil on your head anymore. Um, but just make yourself look good. <laughs> um, wash your face so it won't be obvious to other people that you're fasting. But only your father, only to your father who is unseen, and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So that's the beginning. So let's take the beginning of that phrase when you fast. It's kind of challenging, isn't it? Because I think. It isn't, if you ever get around to it, if, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, could you find the time to fast? Jesus is saying, when you fast, and I suppose in our, in our culture, in a church culture particularly, it's not something that we hear very much of. So it's kind of, like he, he says, look, when you give, give like this. When you pray, pray like this. And none, none of us are kind of saying, well, actually, those are optional things that we should, you know, we should maybe just take or leave as, as we want to. But when it comes to fasting, unless everyone, because, uh, I mean, Jesus did basically say, you can do it, so do it and shut up about it, yeah? So you might all be doing it, and I don't know. But, but and if, if you are, then feel free to kind of work on going to sleep or something right now. But if you... <laughs> But if you're anything like me, it doesn't happen all that often. It happens a bit. I'm at, it happens a few times a year for me at the moment, and I'm actually trying to make a commitment to, to do that, to do it more frequently. But loads of people fast in the Bible. Jesus did it for 40 days. Moses did it for 40 days. Daniel kind of did a... He abstained from certain kinds of foods and sweet foods and stuff for 21 days. Um, And there are these different kinds. You can say, I won't have food for for a whole time. I won't have, uh, you know, I'll abstain from certain kinds of foods. Look, I'm just going to say some real practical aspects about this first. If you're pregnant, don't do it. If you're a kid, well, if you're still growing vertically or should be, then, then you know, maybe you could engage in it for one meal, actually, and that might be a really, really positive thing to do, but don't make, that a re- don't make that a regular practice. If you have stopped growing vertically, then actually it might be all right for you, but if you've got particular medical conditions, 
actually, you still want to get involved and, and do this and, and fast, but actually it might be a good idea for you to speak to your doctor about and just get some medical supervision or advice around it. If an eating disorder has been part of your recent history or you're currently struggling with that right now, this, just shelve this idea. That is not for you right now. It, really, the motives are all about giving glory to God, and that might be something that you want to do. But, but actually, the, there's, there's a really big risk in there. So I, I would advise you, if, it, if it's, that's, an eating disorder has been part of your recent history, please don't embark on something like this. But do be intentional about it. So I kind of look in my diary a, a little way in advance to say, well, when can I do that? Okay. You know, so if I was running a race on a particular day, I wouldn't... Uh, okay, the, the last time I ran a race was ages ago, so, so it, that doesn't really come into it. But if I was doing a race, I wouldn't fast on that day, okay, or in the day before it. But that I know that I can go for two days at work and my work doesn't suffer... With, without, without any food. That's, that's doable for me. That isn't doable for everybody else. Okay? But it, it might be you're th- saying, what, two days, is that all you can do, Tim? I'm going for seven. Right. Please, let me don't discourage you from that either. If it's some, we haven't got time to go into all the ins and outs of fasting now, but if you'd like to know more about it, Right, please come and please come and talk to me about it afterwards because I'd, I'd love to share that with you and put, we'll put some um, sort of practical details about it up on our website as well because what the, the week of prayer and fasting that we're approaching um, starting a week on Monday right, it'll be a really good time to kind of get to get involved and and as well as praying and praying corporately together. And, and praying individually, actually saying, Lord, I want to I fast during some of these times. I, I want to I, I be hungry for you. Because what happens when you fast is that the hunger that you can kind of feel reminds you, ah, about God. So the reason I'm doing this my hunger starts to serve my relationship with God as a reminder. Now, I don't know if some of you might not need this as much as me, but I feel like I'm very, very firmly planted in the here and now. And I just deal with kind of stuff that's in front of me in that moment. Some of that's just to do with my job and like how I'm going to work it out. And some of it's just to do with the kind of person I am. And I, it feels like I need a constant reminder from God to say, Hey! Tim, you're going to pray about that? You're going to pray about this? You're going to pray about this thing that you're going through or that that your friend's going through? And actually, when I get hungry, it, it just keeps reminding me to go, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I want to ask you about this. And it's, it just becomes a way more constant kind of prayer, a way more constant kind of conversation with my Father. It kind of amplifies what I'm praying. Lord, I'm hungry. My desperation for food is equaling my desperation to see you act. It's kind of like 
your body joins in with what your spirit is saying. And you deny yourself something now so that your cry just goes into the eternal and rises up before God. Now I'm just going to bring us to a close with something from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And it's in Philippians 4. And I want to just say, look, he's writing this when he is in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, because I need to hear it myself again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, but I kind of need reminding about that, so that's why I fast. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm going to say that bit again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, Paul's got this wonderful challenge for us. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything pray. In everything pray. Just keep that conversation going. If you don't know what to pray, Jesus taught us how to do it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today what we need and forgive us what we've done wrong as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Come along on any Sunday morning.